Okay, good afternoon. Um, it's lovely to welcome you back for the latest Garden Pod. And today I'm joined by Nicola Nelson, who's our Head of Primary, and David Whitney, who is uh, the Head of Social Studies here at Garden. And we're going to be exploring this whole idea of global citizenship and what it means. This is an area of school that we're uh, really thinking about at the moment and, and considering what intercultural learning is and thinking about what global citizenship is. And so in this podcast, we're just going to be exploring some big questions around global citizenship. And we're going to be considering why it's important and, and also then looking at how we're looking to develop it here at Garden and what you can do at home to support and promote this. So Dave, uh, Nicola, uh, a massive welcome to you. Thank you for joining us today. And Dave, we're going to kick off with you, if that's okay. Uh, what is a global citizen? Thanks, David. I'm really delighted to be here to talk to you guys and um, the whole community at GIS about what a global citizen is. Um, I was lucky enough to be trained, actually, as a citizenship teacher a few years ago when uh, it was part of a compulsory part of the British education system. And um, I think the term global citizenship or global, global citizen is a fantastic description for what a quality education should provide. And I'm really pleased that we've kind of got to refocus on it. And um, I think it appears in lots of mission statements, it appears in our mission statement and in, for lots of schools. And it's really great to have this refocus on it. So what is um, a global citizen? Um, well, PISA and the OECD, Global Competency Framework, who've done extensive research around all curriculums throughout, throughout the world, um, talk about four global competencies, um, which essentially would produce a global citizen. Um, those four things are linking global to local, um, appreciating and understanding the worldviews of others, establishing positive interactions with other people from other cultures, and capacity and efficacy to take action towards social sustainability. So if we take those four things uh, one by one a little, just to kind of um, flesh them out a little bit. The, the link global to local was actually a part of something called uh, Agenda 21 that came in um, in the 19, late 1990s about sustainable development. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, the idea here was to try and get people used to connecting their own local locality and what they um, their content to the global issues of the day to start to think about how they could take local action that would make a contribution towards these global um, issues. In that particular instance, it was, it was environmental sustainability. But I think as well, what it was trying to do is kind of gem, uh, produce a, a responsibility really for us to understand that global issues are partly our responsibility as well. And um, we are all you know, global citizens. So I think to, in today's world, it's very clear that we face a, a whole host of global issues, not just environmental. People always, you know, talk about the environmental issue, and clearly that's a, a pressing concern. However, you know, at the moment we have pandemics. There's lots of other global issues around genetics testing and technology and international crime. There's a whole heap of issues which I think we need to understand the solutions to them lie in, in sort of global solutions. And therefore, um, trying to develop students that understand and, and can take on board those global issues, but then also feel a responsibility and understand a con contribution they can make in their local areas towards them is a really key part of global citizenship. 
The second one was to appreciate and understand worldviews. And um, I'm sure, as you've already mentioned, David, we will be talking in much more detail about intercultural learning. I think we at GIS, we very much see um, global citizens as the kind of destination we are trying to get to and intercultural learning as the absolutely key um, stepping stone towards producing global citizens. So appreciating and understanding worldviews, I think is where that intercultural learning idea comes in. Um, to develop global citizens, we need to be developing students that appreciate and understand people's, other people's worldviews. And I think if we take Malaysia, it's a fantastic example of a country where that incorporates a, a host of different worldviews, um, very much fundamental to the makeup of the country and also influenced by a number of worldviews around the region as well. Um, and people in Malaysia are constantly navigating a situation where there are uh, mixing with people with different worldviews. Um, and I, and I, I like the word worldviews because it kind of, it goes to this idea that you need a depth and appreciation of a, an understanding of a culture in order, if you, if you, if you understand someone's worldview, you understand all sorts of things about their actions and the way they go about their day-to-day -day business. And um, you only get that appreciation of worldview if you stop, you take time, you listen, you reflect, you're prepared to ask questions. You also have an appreciation and understanding of history of different cultures. That's how you develop an understanding of someone's worldview. And I think it's a really key word um, that we need to think about closely as we, we try to move GIS forward on this journey. Uh, Would that then connect with relationships as well then? Absolutely, and, and so that's the third one there, David, is to establish positive interactions, which I very much see as the kind of intercultural dialogue um, that we've talked about within the intercultural learning. Like, how do we actually um, get students, and this is not just students. In fact, I think actually in this case, some, some, some children, some students, and quite young children, can be, very, can be better than some adults I know at intercultural dialogue. I think sometimes the older we get, the more barriers have kind of raised, um, and sometimes it can be harder to break down those barriers when we are looking to engage and interact with people of different cultures. And some students, Nicola, I'm sure, can testify who are in primary and who are really quite young don't see those barriers and probably practice intercultural dialogue a lot better than than some adults but clearly the the, the intercultural dialogue is absolutely key to understanding and appreciating worldviews and um, we really need to think about how we teach this in the sense that there is not a right and wrong thing to say that it is okay to accept um, that you're on a process of learning about culture. We, would all, we all will always be on a process of learning about culture. And so we have to adopt an attitude and, a, and a, an approach which says, I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to understand. Um, I'm sorry if I don't get things completely right on this, can you help me to learn? And I think we all know in our lives when we do that, we're always greeted very often with you know, a very helpful response and, and we kind of grow and develop there. Um, so absolutely, it's about intercultural dialogue on that one. And then the final one is really about action and, and an important bit of any kind of citizenship curriculum is about, well, people actually have to then go and take some action. And that, that one they call the capacity and efficacy to take actions towards social sustainability. 
Um, social sustainability there is about um, producing uh, actions that enhance, not just, um, you know, enhance society, but in a sustainable way. Um, and, I, and I think that goes to two, two other words that they use later on in, in their framework, which is uh, advocacy and collective well-being. And I think those two terms are also really key. In the collective well-being, um, asking students, challenging students to speak up on behalf of others, to act on behalf of others. I think sometimes when um, being a young person can be quite a selfish kind of experience in some ways, and I sometimes think I see the best in students when, when you ask them to take some action to help someone else out or to understand someone else. And I think that's a key part of citizenship is to, um, to develop that, that understanding of advocacy and speaking on behalf of others. So um, yeah, I mean, they're the, four global, they're the four competencies that the OECD and PISA have laid out. And I think a great framework for us to think about how we go forward with this at GIS. Thanks Dave. I know we're going to come back to that idea of action in just a moment, but before we do that I'd just like to maybe bring in uh, Nicola. And Nicola, obviously Dave's now just spent some time helping us understand what a global citizen is, but why is that so important for us here at Garden? Why is it so relevant for us, maybe particularly now? Yeah, sure. Hi everybody, uh, great to be here. Really excited to be having these conversations at Garden at the moment. And I think that, that it's a really good question, why are we doing it now? Because actually within our values and our vision and our mission, we actually make quite clear mention of wanting, you know, our, our desire is to develop our students as brilliant, brave individuals to take their productive place in the world. And that's, that's not new, that's been part of our vision and mission for quite some time. But recently we, we've spent some time looking at that, revisiting it, really talking about what it means to us, really looking at our values and trying to very clearly articulate what that means to us as a community. So I think that's, that's part of it. That's part of why we're looking at, that, at this at the moment. I think the, the pandemic this year, and, and to, to refer to something that, David, that Dave was just talking about in relation to bringing people together and thinking about others. I think that's one of the, um, if I could say, one of the gifts of the pandemic is that is that new focus on sense of community and bringing people together and thinking about other people and the people that we live with and that we that we spend our time with and our days with. And for us at, at GIS that, you know, we do have many different cultures represented within our community. But that's worldwide as well. So I think that that is another reason why it's really important at the moment to, to be looking at this, this issue. And, and through the process of the pandemic and the things that we've been through, certainly in my, my role as head of primary, I've been asked by a lot of parents about, well, what should we now be doing to prepare our children for the future? Because suddenly more than ever, people are thinking about that because, because the world has changed so much this year and we've had to adapt and be flexible like never before. So, so lots of parents are, have become even more interested in this. And again, to, you know, Dave referred to the um, OECD research and, and the learning compass for 2030 that, that the OECD have produced is a fantastic piece of research. And again, they're, they're looking at the fact that yes, you know, technology will continue to be a really important for our children and young people to, to develop. Uh, we know that life skills such as being flexible, being resilient, um, and, and also being able to invest in your own well-being are things that are going to be increasingly important, which again links to 
this issue of helping others because we know that actually giving back and helping others is a part of well-being um, that, that everybody can do. Um, but as the, the speed of technological advancement and, and the pace of life in general just increases, um, being able to understand the importance of global sustainability is also going to be incredibly important. Um, and the OECD, um, if I can also reference some of the research that they talk about metacognition, critical thinking, creative thinking, um, but they also talk about, talk about social and emotional skills, being empathetic, understanding your self-efficacy, being responsible, being able to collaborate with others, which again speaks to, to, to what Dave was just saying just now about that, having that social responsibility. Um, and the OECD also talks about coping with tensions, being able to cope with tensions and dilemma, and that comes with understanding other people and being able to understand people's backgrounds and worldviews, as Dave was just saying. And then, and then also, you know, they actually, they actually, the OECD research talks about actually being able to understand other cultures. And I think what we recognise at Garden is we are a multicultural community but I don't think we've quite got to the point where we are intercultural yet. And that is what we are trying to do at the moment. We're trying to come to that definition of what that means for us and how we're gonna take that forward in our community. And I think we've started to have some really honest conversations about what we're doing well and what we actually need to be doing much better. So I think that's why um, this particular focus at this time, and I think you know, continuing to foster an understanding um, of social, historical, cultural values so that we can achieve that balance. Um, and that's only going to be done through dialogue and, and respect as well, having respect for other cultures. So just following up with that then, Nicola, is this something that's as applicable for children in early years as it is for maybe A-level students that Dave teaches? or? does it just kick in at a certain age? It's absolutely applicable at all ages. And, and again, you know, as Dave was saying, I think he's right. I think um, younger children are less conscious of difference. They're more accepting because they, they haven't had those experiences or been influenced by others um, that perhaps children get as they get older. Um, but it absolutely starts with children when they're in early years and, and goes all the way through. And, you know, with, with the adults as well, with the adults in school. And we talk about unconscious bias or, or our, we all have our own biases that, that, we, um, that we get from the influences and the people that, we, that talk to us, our parents, the experiences that, that we have that, that are, you know, they're not anybody's fault, but they are things that we need to be aware of and we need to question as we go forwards. One thing I've noticed is as we've been starting to have this dialogue at school, it's, it's made us to really start thinking about the words that we just use, like intercultural, multicultural, and just to help us to really think, well, what does that actually mean? And I remember talking with someone in the last couple of weeks about this, and one of the questions they asked, which when they first said it, I thought, well, it's obvious, but actually it's not. And they were saying, well, what do we actually mean by culture? Uh, and so Dave, as the <laughs> as a sociologist amongst us, I'm, I'm going to bring this one back to you, um, because obviously it's a word that we use all the time and we might um, just slip it into our conversation. But within this concept context, what do we actually understand or what do you understand by that word culture? I mean, it's, it's fascinating, actually. It's when your kind of personal uh, interest and in reading kind of can't collide with your professional. I was reading a book about 
a year ago now, a fantastic book, which I recommend by Michelle Gelfand called Rule Makers and Rule Breakers, um, where she starts the book. Um, I actually have got a quote from it here. I'll, I'll read it to you. Culture is a stubborn mystery of our experience and one of the last uncharted frontiers. We've used our big brains to accomplish unbelievable technical feats. We've discovered the laws of gravity, split the atom, wired the earth, eradicated fatal diseases, mapped the human genome, invented the iPhone, and even trained dogs to ride skateboards. But somehow, despite all our technical prowess, we've made surprisingly little progress in understanding something equally important, our own cultural differences. And, you know, when I started reading this book, I, I was giving that a lot of thought as well. What, what do we actually mean by culture? When, to try and make some headway with that then, um, when I teach this to my wonderful sociology students, we, I say sort of simply, let's start with culture means the norms and values that set the expected behaviors within a group of people. So what can I expect this person? How can I expect this person to greet me? How can I expect this person to say thank you? Um, what is the expected language between us in this situation? Okay, what are the norms that I can expect and what are the values that underpin those things? Okay, but when we talk about where the norms come from and, and where the values come from, really the kind of cloud of culture just becomes huge because those norms and values are set by a whole range of different things. They're set by um, historical and political systems that exist within people. They're set by power relations, you know, uh, the language between myself and someone who's in a higher status to me. They're set by moral and ethical and religious beliefs and values and understandings. Um, they're set by kind of social and linguistic um, aspects of society. So the norms and values, which is the best way I think to, to really try and understand culture, they are built from a wide range of different places. And then um, as I was, as we talked about before, um, they're also then interpreted by each individual differently. So we know that some of our friends take their uh, religious beliefs more strongly than others. So there is an individual interpretation of the, the, the norms and values as well. So it becomes a very kind of complicated situation where we know this thing called culture exists and we know there are expected norms and values, but we're never really on that firm footing about actually what that person is gonna do in that given situation. And I think that has um, really interesting, I mean, I, I love that stuff. Um, so it, first of all, it really inspires and, and interests me, but it also has deep implications, I think, for when we're talking about how we, how we, can, how we can teach intercultural learning you know, and, and how we set about to do that. Because, um, you know, if we were to think about a curriculum in math, for example, it's quite easy to do it from quite a structural way to say, we are going to teach trigonometry in year seven, we're going to teach algebra in year eight, etc. But the fluidity and uh, the fluidity of culture means that that's not easy to do. It might be, as I referenced earlier, it might be that a year three student is actually further ahead with some aspects of their culture, of, of learning about a particular part of culture than one of my students in year 12 or 13 um, because of their own personal experiences, because of their own understanding of it. So it becomes a different challenge and a really interesting challenge for us as a school, I think. And I, I think 
we're at the start of that journey as we're trying to outline here, but I think it's very important then that we really think about using authentic experiences um, to try to um, develop a, a better cultural understanding, intercultural understanding. Um, it's, it's definitely the case from the reading I do and the research I do that one of the best ways to teach culture and teach things around anti-racism is um, through narrative, through stories and narrative, through students understanding a situation and an authentic one and trying to then reflect on key moments and key questions from that narrative and pull out what are the attitudes, what was the process, what were the different perspectives here, what, what sides were at tension in this situation. Um, and there's one thing we need to do as well, we need to be brave and, and use the, the situations where the, the tension of culture has been created and really try and pull those things apart. Um, so yeah, the, the question of what is culture is, is a fluid one, <laughs> a complex and, a, and an absolutely um, very, very interesting one. And one that challenges a school, I think, to think about learning in a different way to the pathways we normally go down. Thanks, Dave. I think we're going to focus then a bit more on that idea of learning. And I'm going to bring in Nicola here then. So obviously Dave there was talking about the fluidity of culture and, and, and what culture might mean. So what is the impact or what are the implications then for us within teaching and learning, if you will? How, how does this awareness of uh, global citizenship and, and intercultural learning, how, would, how does that shape learning within, a, say, a primary school? What, what would it look like? Uh, we, we are literally just asking ourselves these questions at the moment as because we're going through that process of reviewing our curriculum and, and, and again it's about looking at um, and knowing our community and, and you know asking those big, big questions about um, can, the, can we have a neutral teaching and learning um, culture uh, curriculum and we need to be responding you know we need, to, we need to be responding to the community that we have and bringing in the different cultures of the children that are in our community and i think we 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 do that a little bit at the moment but i don't think those learning opportunities are, are as deep as they could be um, and i think languages plays a really important part here because we have many many different languages represented within our community we're very lucky in that respect um, at garden and, and you know a language is a person's language is, is a representation of their culture. It's part of their cultural identity. So it's, it's about finding opportunities to bring that into the curriculum, um, just as one example. Um, and, and again, it's, it's about us knowing our community and providing those really deep, rich experiences for our children to learn from each other. Um, and we've talked about how, you know, we have lots of celebration days, which are wonderful in the primary school, but it's not enough. We want to do more than that. We want to make those learning experiences much deeper and much broader um, and really use those experiences and those, those different backgrounds and learn from each other so that we've, we've got genuine understanding rather than just kind of paying lip service to it. So kind of looking at the curriculum in particular, looking at where those opportunities arise and how we can do it more deliberately rather than yeah. just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being, being strategic about it, but also being responsive as well and not just saying we're just going to stick to this very narrow kind of delivery of what we want to do, you know, really having a really um, responsive approach. And, and as you say, strategically planning for those opportunities because we know our community so well. I know early on Dave made reference to this idea of 
perspective taking and appreciation of others. Is that something also that we could build into teaching and learning? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that comes through our learner skills um, and, and the way that we try to um, encourage our students to reflect and understand other cultures and understand their, you know, their, their fellow students um, and, and the different experiences that, that they've had. And I think, again, to, you know, we, we need to do that as adults. And we've had a lot of conversations in school about how we, we need to take that forwards as um, an adult community in the school as well, not just with our students. And, and, and I think I can see this theme coming out now, but it's when we talk about intercultural learning and global citizenship, it's as applicable for um, key stage five as it is for EYC, but it's applicable for us as teachers, as educators, and as a wider community as it is for any of the students within the school. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's, it's got to be the whole community, you know, and, and it's got to be the, in the whole world because this, this is, again, because of, of the year that we've had and, and the events of this year, again, it's, it's that, that question of community and the fact that the world has to work together and we, we have to look at these things as a global community. So absolutely, it's about our students at every age, but it's about our parents, it's about us as teachers, you know, all the adults that work in our school and the different teams. So yes, it's, it's a whole community approach. I'd like just to um, focus on that word community very, very briefly. So um, how can we embrace the perspectives of our community and use them as one of those kind of resources to support or in, enhance learning here at GIS. Absolutely. So, we, you know, we we have we have good relationships with our parent community. We, we value the input of our parents. Um, we we listen to their feedback, and and that's really valuable to us. And recently, we've been doing quite a bit of work on on looking at our values, as I referenced at the beginning of this podcast. And we've been asking our parents how do they think we live out our values in in a positive way, and what can we do better. So we've been consulting with them on those values and, and getting that feedback. And I think any kind of continued um, feedback that we can get from our parents about their perspectives on this, because they have a really, you know, our parents have a really important part to play here in the conversations that they're having with their children at home and how they're also encouraging their children to understand other cultures and understand other worldviews than their own. We're going to move on. Uh bit now because as you know we currently have a, a working party here at Garden who are exploring issues around diversity and inclusion. So Dave just uh, bringing it over to, the, to you, could you maybe just share something about the goals of this group and what their, their purpose is, what they're looking to achieve and maybe some of the, the things they've done so far? Yeah great, um, so I think we are obviously always look, reflecting on our own community and um, looking at how we can be a more inclusive and really I guess this is the starting point isn't it if we think about the journey that as Nicola mentioned earlier we are a multicultural institution and we want to take ourselves to be an intercultural one and then one that's producing global citizens so reflecting on ourselves now as a, as a multicultural community was an important first step and I think um, that's what we said about doing looking at kind of ideas about inclusions uh, inclusion are all races, religions, um, different kind of worldviews and perspectives represented at, at um, GIS. Some of, some of that was um, inspired by the Black Lives Matter movement. And I know this is something that all, many institutions have been engaged, engaged in 
since that kind of global social movement um, began last year. So we have a working party that reflects on, on those things and has been meeting um, kind of bi-weekly. Um, and we've looked at different aspects of the school. We've, um, we're quite conscious. Uh, one of the things we've been looking at is kind of the student's view, um, how a student perceives inclusion at Garden. And we are aware there that um, maybe within the kind of staffing structure that there, there, there sort of exists a hierarchy that I don't think is intentional, um, but I think it's something that we have to be honest and reflect on. And um, it appears sometimes that there's a kind of racial hierarchy within the staff. And we are worried about maybe the messages that that provides to students. And um, so we've been looking at kind of raising the status of members of our, of our staff who, um, who work at GIS, who are from different cultures to the main staff body who tend to be of a white European culture um, so that we can, you know, the optics of the school are more inclusive. Um, we've definitely been looking at curriculum as well, which is a sort of longer process. We, we were aware that many exam boards, um, particularly at my end of the school, some of, some of um, our leeway on this is a little bit restricted by what exam boards um, ask us to deliver to students. And we are aware that some of those are quite Eurocentric. Um, and so we're really going um, or starting the process to look at the curriculum with a fine toothbrush really and find opportunities to include and implement different cultural perspectives within the curriculum. And I, I think one of the things about teaching and learning and how we can move towards uh, more intercultural teaching and learning is that we've started to discuss um, teachers need to be more brave about creating resources actually. And there's been a, a kind of reliance we think on, on, on using resources that we know work and are good quality um, but perhaps only come from one cultural perspective. I think one of the things we need to do here is to encourage teachers to create resources um, that allow the opportunity to pull those different cultural perspectives out in lessons and ask key questions and show students that we value that time to reflect on those things. Um, so we're looking at the curriculum in that way. Um, yeah, I would say that's where we're, we're, we're looking at the moment. Thanks, Dave. I'm, I'm going to bring you in a, a moment, Nicola, then, because obviously Dave was talking very much around the curriculum, and by that I'll refer to the talk curriculum. Does all of this have any then implications for uh, what we would call wider learning or that wider curriculum, if you will, through the CCA programmes and so on? Um, and just to get your thoughts on how global citizenship could be, could be promoted through the wider curriculum. Yeah, I think there's lots of opportunities. Again, it's about... Um, it's about looking at, at the community that we have, the opportunities we have to, to raise the profile of, of some of those um, different cultures. You know, our CCA, CCA programme is, is very wide and varied. We have so many different opportunities for our students. Um, you know, we have Model UN already in school at secondary and primary um, level, which is fantastic. But I think there's there's lots of scope to broaden that and have um, you know other cultural um, CCAs happening. We you know we, we've expanded our language program in the primary school this year, and we have cultural language um, clubs happening as part of after school provision that children can sign up to. But I think there are there are lots of other opportunities that we can provide there. Again, 
responding to our community, look, using the, the, the understandings, the skills, the knowledge of the community that we have. So yeah, absolutely. I'm doing, going to do a little plug here for um, probably a podcast we'll come to in a few weeks, but um, this week I know we had Liza Phillips who oversees our community service program. And she was very much talking about the importance and the high impacts of service learning. Um, and that's just another area, I guess, that we can explore. And, and one of the learnings I'm taking away from today is when we talk about intercultural learning and global citizenship, it kind of integrates and embeds itself in pretty much everything that we do. Is, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think when we, you know, Dave just spoke about the working party. And I think when we started that work, we weren't initially talking about intercultural learning. And then we, we did a lot of learning. We went on a journey. We, we started to understand that actually all of this is related to intercultural learning. Um, and as you say, that very valuable work that our students do as part of their service learning with the, the refugee communities um, and the other the charity work that they do is, is all part of this. It's all part of understanding other people and other cultures. So yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, just as we bring us to an end then, uh, it's, it's been fascinating. So uh, thank you to you both. And just one last question. Um, what next? <laughs> um, well, we, there's a few things. So um, we are, as a whole school, looking at our social and emotional learning curriculum at the moment. And we very, very much believe that intercultural learning links um, with that social and emotional learning um, aspects of our curriculum. And we, we're doing a lot of work on how we can have some discrete taught um, sections of our curriculum, but also have that social and emotional learning interlinked and as a golden thread through our curriculum as well. So, so that's one thing that we're doing. Um, David, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about next steps with the working party and some of the things that they're going to be doing next. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think um, we are trying to move the school forward, aren't we, on this journey from a multicultural to intercultural learning. And I think that the key there is about us being brave, really. And uh, as we sort of um, speak to parents, we're challenging the whole community here, really, to kind of open up to this journey that... Um, allows us to explore the cultures that are involved in in all aspects of our school community and and of course in the globe and so um for me the next steps are you know about about encouraging that 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 approach and that process and that bravery in all aspects of the school like it, it's great absolutely right to plug the service um service learning there david and um, you know, I've already been speaking to deputy heads um, um, in the secondary school about our kind of messages um, on, over Christmas and things. <laughs> we were working on that yesterday to try and kind of open up broader cultural perspectives there. Um, we're, we're also looking maybe at recruitment process and how we go about doing that as a school. So on a kind of structural level. Um, there's lots in language, as I think Nicola mentioned earlier, and, and how we can use the languages that exist uh, and kind of raise the profile of them maybe uh, at GIS as well that we're looking at as a working party um, on those things. So, I mean, for me, it's about an approach and it's about a brave, uh, being brave and it's getting that attitude into as many parts of the school and the community as we possibly can. And that's why it's a wonderful to, uh, opportunity today to talk to parents and we'll be, they'll be absolutely key to making this successful. You know, um, I spoke earlier about, we need authentic experiences to teach culture. 
and probably our best resource for authentic experiences as are our parents and uh, you know older uh, people as well ourselves and and to come and be honest and open with with students about their their, their stories and their um, their experiences of culture throughout their lives is, is a fantastic resource for us and can be really, really useful part of how we develop this program. So um, it's, a, it's a work in progress, as, as you both are well aware, and, um, but a really exciting one. And thank you. Uh, Nicola, any final words for um, no, just just to reiterate what Dave said, you know, it's it's such an exciting um, it's an exciting period of time. You know, we're really excited about this work. We are passionate about it, and it's integral to the next phase of where Garden goes as a school and as a community. And um, you know, that word community again, it's incredibly important that we move forwards together as a whole community. And having a really clear understanding of intercultural learning. Is, is one of the key ways that we're going to do that as a community. And from, from what I can take away from this, we're very much at the beginning of that process and the beginning of that journey. So I imagine in the next couple of months, we'll be back here again and there'll be podcast part two. Absolutely. Um, really look forward to hearing more about uh, the developments, the way that we've, uh, well, the way that the group have continued to raise awareness of this and just helping us to maybe see or learn a bit more about the things that we don't know, but we don't know. Um, yeah. And addressing yeah. that. So a massive thank you for taking time out this afternoon and joining with us. Thank we you. look forward to connecting with you further and um, just wishing you a lovely weekend ahead. Thank you very much. Thank you.